It was 31 years ago, my, seems like a long time, a very, (laughs) a different Toby, um, who was not raised in the church, who didn't even have his own Bible, uh, became a new Christian on a Sunday night in February, and that was a, a powerful life-changing, eternity-changing moment in my life when I decided to follow Jesus and was immersed into Christ, obeying the gospel. Uh, It's changed forever. I think about that a lot. Not because of anything I did, but by His grace. Uh, A second measure of grace, a second gift that I was given uh, after I was baptized, something that my grandmother did for all of her grandkids, is that she would take us down to Main Street into a red brick building. The building's there, but uh, the business is no longer. It used to be called the Better Book Room. And she would take you to the Better Book Room, and she would let you pick out your Bible. It is so much more meaningful now to me, that moment. I hold before you the Bible that I decided, Grandma, Help me pick out <laughs> this unchurched kid who hadn't even read the Bible. Can you imagine trying to pick a Bible? And I got this NIV 84. It is the Bible I cut my spiritual teeth on. I don't use it much anymore because it's tattered and falling apart. The words of Scripture that I have in my heart are from this Bible. And uh, as we got the Bible, Grandma inscribed it. In fact, I was just looking at the inscription she made. And, you know, I had studied, because I didn't know the Bible, I had studied, my great aunt and I, we, we went through the Jewel Miller studies, if you remember those, and I learned the five steps of salvation, <laughs> Church of Christers know the five-step plan. Uh, Hear, believe, repent, confess Christ, and be baptized. And I knew those backwards and forwards, and I knew the scriptures surrounding them. And Grandma gave me the Bible. She said, there's just one more step. And it's a very important step. And it's two words. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today is 1231.23. If you have a numerical mind, you'll have fun with that because today is 1231.23. And uh, that's how I want you to remember this sermon. Uh, Office staff has had the week off and so there's no handout today. So you're going to have to take notes or just remember one, two, three. Does he have one verse? I got two words. I got three things that you can put into action. And hopefully this will be a blessing to you. I want you to open your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, take the brown one from in front of you and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is finishing his letter to the beloved church at Corinth. This was a, a good church, but a church that had some problems, a church that had some issues, because they were a church with people. First Corinthians 15, Paul is really, as he's finished addressing all of the issues and problems, and now he is talking about the, the key stone to the Christian hope, which is the resurrection of Christ. He says, if you don't believe in the resurrection, what is this all about? And as he wraps up that chapter, that powerful chapter on the resurrection, he writes this in verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Grandma's two words basically summarize 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. And those two words don't quit. The, 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 the Church of Christ sixth step is remain faithful, but it's the same thing. And so that's, as we finish out this year, those are the two words I want to give you as we close out the year. And I want to encourage you, don't quit. It's so important that we hold on, that we remain faithful, and that we don't give up the faith that has been passed down to us, whether it was your parents or your grandparents or a neighbor or a friend or whoever it was that led you to Christ. The gift is yours. As we say on Know Your Bible, people say, well, well can a person lose their salvation? And our answer is always, it can't be taken away from you. But you can choose to give it up. You can choose to let go. Too many people in our world are professional quitters. They, they, they quit when it gets difficult. They quit when it gets hard. They, 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 they quit their marriages. They quit their jobs. Uh, they quit their dreams. They quit their goals. And, and very sadly, some people quit their walk with Jesus. They quit their connection to his body, the church. They quit. They give it up. And that to me is one of the most sad, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching things. It's the hardest part about being a minister. Is watching people who were given the gift of grace who were given new life and new hope and the Spirit of God and forgiveness of sins. But as the old parable goes, the weeds and the thorns begin to choke things out. And they quit. And they stop reading their Bible. And they stop coming to church. 
And they stop caring about God. And they really stop caring about what God's will is. And they quit. And Paul says to the church at Corinth, stand firm. The ESV says, this is our theme for the year. Our whole theme verse was steadfast. Be steadfast. Let nothing move you. And that doesn't mean you don't move and change and grow as a Christian, but you don't move from the hope that you have in Jesus. Everyone, everyone will come to moments in their life when they want to quit. I promise you, you'll come to a moment when you want to quit on your marriage. You'll come to a moment when you want to quit your job. You'll come to a moment when you want to quit on your family. You'll come to a moment when you want to give up on your faith. And that is a that is an entirely normal feeling. I'm just telling you, when you come to that feeling, when your heart tells you to give up, to throw in the towel, to hang it up, you tell your heart to shut up. And don't give up. Now, I told you it's a normal feeling. All throughout the pages of this book are people who had to walk by faith in the same God that we follow, and at times were tempted to give up. And I'm so glad they didn't. (laughs) If Noah had quit building the ark, it probably took him a better part of a century. If he had quit, none of us would be here. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Give me another example. A prophet of God by the name of Elijah. He's had an amazing VBS story throughout all generations. It's this account of Elijah and the, the prophets of Baal. The people of God were divided they had quit on God. They had, they had let go of God. They had forgotten God. And they were worshiping a God who wasn't really a God at all. And he has this amazing contest, which is no contest at all. And the prophets are converted. And it's, wow. I mean, you end chapter 18 on this spiritual high... You know, you ever come off team camp, that mountain, and you're having this, like, man, we're on fire for God. These people were on fire for God. And it's so weird what happens next. The chapter 19 moment. Now, Ahab, King Ahab, told Jezebel, lovely lady that she was, everything King, uh, everything Elijah had done and had killed all the prophets with the sword. Elijah doing the good work. <laughs> King Ahab just relaying the message. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. She said, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. Look how she puts that word gods in there. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. She threatens him. And how does Elijah, the great prophet of God, who's just done a mighty act for Jehovah God, respond? Verse 3, Elijah was afraid. (laughs) And ran for his life. 
goes to Beersheba. He sinks into a depression. He comes to a broom tree. He sits down. And here's his prayer. His prayer. This mighty man of God prays this prayer. I have had enough, Lord. I have had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. This mighty man of God. There were prophets that probably looked to Elijah. And he's here in this depressive state. And he says, God, I have had enough. Maybe that's where you are at the end of 2023. And I can tell you, if you offer that prayer to God, he hears it. He hears it and he understands it. If you don't know if God hears your prayers, just know that I have had enough is a sufficient prayer. It's okay when you you, you get there. Just don't stay there. Now, the beautiful part is how God ministers. He sends an angel of the Lord, tells him, just calm down, Elijah, take a nap, eat a snack. And he does. And then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. Verse 9. He went into a cave and he spent the night. Elijah's ready to give up. He, he, re- he retreats to the cave. And the word of the Lord came to him. And he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, it's not, it's not a word of judgment. It's not harsh. It's a loving father speaking to a beloved son. He loves Elijah. He's using Elijah. He understands Elijah's in a low spot. He understands that Jezebel's evil. And he just says, what are you doing? He says, I've been very zealous. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken your altar, and put your death to the prophets, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me too. Elijah has maybe a pity party, maybe a reality check, I don't know. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. I love this. Because here's this, we expect God to show up in such powerful ways sometimes, and the wind and the fire and the earthquakes, and, and God could have shown up in that way, but how he chooses to show up is the way in which his servant, his son, Elijah, needs him to show up. As a gentle whisper. And what does that gentle whisper say? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah repeats 
basically the same story. The Lord says, ah, hold on just a second, Elijah. Now hold on just a minute. I reserve, this is verse 18, 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. I'm really over-summarizing the story. God's saying, you're not alone in this, but I need you to lead those people. I need you to give them hope. I need you to remind them of who I am. Don't quit on me now, Elijah. Get out of that cave. I have work for you to do. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. Jump over with me to the New Testament. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Back to 2 Corinthians. I guess we are in 1 Corinthians. Just go one book over, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, another great servant of God, the Apostle Paul. Passionate, zealous, educated, brilliant, zealous for God's works and for God's mission. And even though he ran hard in the wrong direction, as soon as Jesus got him under control, he ran just as passionately in the right direction. And he says this, writing again to the church at Corinth. He says something that I found interesting. He talks about the God of all comfort. And then he opens up a little bit and he says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Ever been under great pressure? Paul was. Far beyond our ability to endure. So the next time somebody says, God will never give you more than he can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. Just go ahead and say, you're a liar. That's not true. That's not in the Bible. The Apostle Paul says, we were under great pressure, more than we could handle, far beyond our ability to withstand. And he goes on, he says, so that we despaired even of life. Some people just read that and those words just kind of wash over them. But if you've ever been at a point in your life where you despair even of life, you get what Paul's saying. He's, he's right where Elijah was. I have had enough. Indeed, in our hearts, verse 9, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened. Why'd this happen? Why'd God allow Paul to go through what he suffered? Why would Paul Elijah, allow Elijah to be in this place? The answer is in the very next phrase. This happened so that we might not rely on ourselves. Are you a do-it-yourself kind of person? Yeah, some people are. I... I am in some things and not in everything. I'm learning that oftentimes it's better not to depend on yourself. 
that life is much harder and much more stressful and there's much more pressure when you put everything on you. Paul says, this, uh, this happened. We were under such great pressure. We despaired even of life. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, <laughs> but on God who raises the dead. That's what it's about. When you get to those points where you say, Lord, I've had enough. God's saying, good. (laughs) Because I'm enough. I can see you through. You may not know the way, but I know the way. You may not have the power, but I have the strength. The point is that we get to those points when we can no longer rely on ourselves. And when you are at a place when you cannot rely on yourself... You are in perfect position to begin truly relying upon God. When there is no other way except to look to Him, you're in perfect position for God to use you. And if you come to the end of 2023 and say, Lord, I have had enough, God says, that's good. Are you ready to start trusting me? When you get to a point where you can't, you're in a perfect place to be reminded that God can. He has delivered us, Paul says, from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Elijah would tell you, don't give up. Paul would tell you, don't give up. The Christians in the first century, living under Roman persecution, some of them lit on fire as torches in the gardens of the Caesars. Some of them sacrificed cruelly and unmercifully so. These Christians have just begun a new way of faith and a new way of life, and they are facing some of the most severe torturous persecution that Christians have ever faced. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus writes to these, he speaks a word that John writes down, rather, to these Christians, some of the Christians in Smyrna, and he writes this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. He says, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Well, wait, what, Jesus? I'm sorry, man, run there by me again. <laughs> Say what? Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. See, he didn't deliver them from suffering. He just said, don't be afraid of it. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. And what does he say in response to that? He says to them this, be faithful. Well, how long do I have to be faithful? Next phrase, even to the point of death. Hold on, back up a second here. (laughs) And Jesus, okay, maybe I didn't know exactly what I was signing up for here, but you're saying, uh, number one, we're going to suffer. Number two, You're not going to rescue us from that. Number three, we may face prison. Number four, 
we're supposed to not give up even if we die? Yeah. How on earth can you say that? Keep reading. I will give you the crown of life. And in one second of eternity, will make up for a lifetime of their suffering for Christ. So Elijah would say, Paul would say, the persecuted church of the first century would say, don't quit. Don't give up on your faith in Jesus. Hang in there. It's easy to quit. Too many people do. When the going gets tough, I'm not going to ask you to be tough. I'm going to ask you to stop relying on yourself and start relying on God. Okay, so that's one verse. We got two words. Don't quit. What's the three action points? Here we go. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14. Paul is talking about his, his own journey and the reason he has no confidence in the flesh. And then he talks about the finishing of this race. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, here's where we start. But I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul is speaking to all of us. We have started the journey with Christ, if you've been baptized into him, but we have not yet taken hold of the reward. I mean, Brother John, this last week, when you heard the news, first it was shock, and then it was joy. Because he, he, he graduated. <laughs> he took hold of it. But we're not there yet. He says this, for those who are not there yet, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's three action points for the new year. Number one, forget the past. I don't care what kind of year 2023 was for you. Maybe 2023 was your best year ever. You earned as much as you've ever earned. Uh, you achieved all the goals that you set out to achieve in the new year. Maybe 2023 was a banner year for you. All right? But that's about to be in the past. Maybe, maybe though, you, you're not like that at all. Maybe, maybe the best part of 2023 is today because it's the last day of 2023. That the greatest part of this year for you was just getting through it. And I say the same thing. Forget what's behind. You got to leave the past in the past. You got to move on from what's behind you. 
Christianity is not a religion that's mired in the past. We're not stuck in nostalgia. Nostalgia will kill you. Christianity is a faith that always, continually, no matter what happens, continually looks forward. Forgetting what is behind, that's what you got to do. Number two, you got to focus on what's ahead. He said, strain toward what lies ahead. You got to lean in. If your marriage is having trouble, don't quit. Lean in. Go get some counseling. Go get some help. Go get some wisdom from other married couples. But don't quit. Forget what's in the past and lean into the future. If you're having trouble with your job, don't quit. Think about what you, lessons you learned, what skills you have. Get some career counseling and lean forward. If you're wrestling in your faith, don't quit. But you don't know what happened. And you don't know what they said. But you don't know what they did. You don't know what they, how they treated me, what they said, what they didn't say. Yeah, you're right. I don't know all that, but I do know this. All of that should be behind you if you're in Christ. Put that behind you so that you can move forward and move on. Don't just stay stuck in the past, but lean in and move forward and don't quit. And number three, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You see, I was going to say keep your eyes focused on heaven, but that's not really the prize. (laughs) You saw our theme if you came in on this side. 2024 is eyes on Jesus. Because we want to keep our eyes focused on the prize. And it occurred to me, that is Satan's number one tactic. He has a lot of tactics and playbooks. But bottom line, it all boils down to this. He just needs to get you distracted. If you can just take your eyes off Jesus for a second. Okay, now how about an hour? Now how about a day? Okay, it's, it's been a month since we've been to church. Okay, okay, we haven't picked up our Bible in three months. You see how he works? He just needs our eyes off Jesus for a little bit, for a tiny moment. And then he'll wedge his way in there. His number one goal is to keep us distracted. And take our focus off what really matters. And as we enter into 2024, may I encourage you, don't quit. But keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize of Jesus Christ. And if you keep your eyes on him, everything else will work out. I don't know how it will work out, but it will work out. I know this because of the last promise in the book, and that's where we're going to close today. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, near the end of the very last book. Revelation 21, we're in verse 4. One of the many final promises of our Lord. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. There, if you'll keep your eyes focused on Jesus, there is coming a day for you when we will no longer need doctors. No offense to the doctors in the audience. But there's coming a day when Jesus finally will remove all need for doctors and, and all need for lawyers and, and, and all need for grief counselors and, and all need for ministers because at last our faith will have become sight. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. I love this final promise of Jesus. That one day, God will make everything right. Not today, maybe, I don't know. But we don't know when that day will be. But one day, he will make everything right. And so his encouragement, my encouragement to you, is simply two words. What my grandmother told me three decades ago. Don't quit. Stay faithful to Jesus. No matter what happens, stay faithful to Jesus. And this morning, if if you haven't even journeyed with Jesus, if you haven't even started that journey by being baptized into Christ, then we'd love to start the end of this year by starting you as a brand new Christian. If you're ready to do that, Go to the back here in just a minute. Meet with one of our elders. We'll be glad to help you do that. We'll make it happen today if we need to. And maybe in 2023, so much has happened to you that your focus has been completely shifted off of Jesus. Maybe you need to to get refocused. Maybe we can join you in prayer. We, We would do that as a church family. That's what we're here for. But, but please, no matter what's happened to you in 2023, no matter what lies ahead of you in 2024, keep your focus on Jesus. He's the real prize. And he's the final promise. that we stay faithful to him. If you have a need to become a Christian or if you need help as a Christian, if we can help you in any way, whatever your need might be, as we sing this next song, we're going to ask you to go to the back, meet with our shepherds. We'll pray with you. We'll baptize you. uh, We'll surround you as family should. But may we all press forward toward heaven together. Let's stand and sing.